time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. Hey, we're wrapping up this uh, little three-part series on uh, celebrity Christians in an age of correctness, uh, basically talking about truth, love, judging others, and the gospel. How do we handle uh, the tough questions that people you know, pose to us out there in the world and, and, you know, what's our identity in this world anyway? And uh, we're addressing these uh, from a, from a, a biblically based standpoint, because I think it's important. And one of the reasons why it's so important is because so many Christians fly by the seat of their pants. In other words, we emote our faith rather than think through our faith. So when I ask a question about something, we think about how's that going to make me feel when I give the right answer? (laughs) How's it make me, what's going to be the blowback if I tell the truth about what God says? You know, I was asked uh, on Fox and Friends one time about, uh, you know, is there any hope for, for this world? And I said, Jesus Christ is the ark and there's nothing but hope for those who place their faith in him. Now, I could have said, you know, if you follow your own heart, you'll be okay. Or it doesn't matter what faith you are, just as long as you're sincere in that faith, you'll be just fine. Now, I had to say what the Bible says. I had to give the truth of the Bible. (laughs) And within, you know, an hour of that program, I mean, there were YouTube videos up about me and uh, people writing blogs about me, attacking me and that type of thing. Eh, whatever. That's fine. But the deal is, is that uh, you're gonna you're gonna suffer uh, some of the uh, the barbs uh, of the enemy from um, from people who, as the Bible says in Romans chapter one, it's verse twenty one, and Ephesians four seventeen, that their minds are darkened, they they cannot see, they're in the dark. Jesus said He is the light, and they are the dark. So you have the light, the light meaning I can see the truth, therefore I should tell it. Dark means I can't see the truth, so I'll just go with what I think or what I feel. And we're living in an age today where so many Christians emote everything. That's why some of the the most best-selling Christian books are those that just camp out on the emotions. They're written in a way to, to captivate your emotions, to subtly massage your emotions to make you feel something. Okay. They're wildly popular and it makes sense. That's because you're just, you're just talking to people about their emotions, you know? And, and, and here's the thing, it's okay to feel good stuff, but unless those things are grounded in the truth, those are false emotions. And so that's one of the reasons why these three podcasts and really my entire ministry even outside the Venice Truth podcast, my writing ministry, my speaking ministry, I endeavor to everything that I do to be grounded in the truth. I, I don't care about my, there's things that I disagree with scripture about that I wish weren't in there. I really do. Things I wish God hadn't have done or the ways that God will do things I wish you'd do them differently <laughs> concerning prophecy. I mean, yeah, I have my own opinion. My opinion doesn't matter. I don't get a vote in the truth of God. It doesn't count. It has no value. Only his truth matters. You know, 160 or so years ago, uh, back during the uh, <clears throat> the Civil War, my 
my wife's ancestor was the uh, treasurer, the state treasurer for the state of Arkansas. And because of that, his signature was on all of the, the, uh, the currency of that era. Well, in case you don't know your Civil War geography, Arkansas was a Confederate state for the most part, and they had Confederate money. And guess what? We've got some of those bills framed in our house, but you know what? You can't spend them. You know why? Because they're counterfeit. They're, their currency is worthless in terms of, you know, purchasing things in our world. And the same is true with our opinions on life and reality. They, they just don't matter unless they're, they're rooted and anchored to and moored to and tied to God's truth. That's really what, what matters. And Christians today, as, as I travel around and as I speak to Christians and, I, and as I've known people in the body of Christ, <clears throat> by and large, Christians are not very deep. And one of the reasons why they're not very deep is because only 19%, less than 20% of Christians read their Bibles daily. Only 18% uh, read them once a week. So you've got a biblically illiterate base of Christians in America. No wonder, no wonder we're, we're not very strong in, in our belief system, in our, our stance against things. Now, now, we can be self-righteous and have a stance, but even, even that self-righteousness is not grounded in Scripture. That self-righteousness is shallow because it doesn't understand the Bible. You know, and even when Christians do read, you know, the the Bible per se, a lot of them do it just through these little devotionals, you know, and it's just a, it's, it's a five minute, 10 minute devotional and then they're on their way. Now, there's nothing wrong with devotionals as long as the devotional is grounded in the scripture, okay? Nothing wrong with that. And, and sometimes it's, it's kind of like grab as you go, grabbing a meal as you go kind of thing, you know. I understand that. I get it. And, and especially for younger Christians, you know, it's, it's a great way to kind of ground them in the faith. But, you know, at some point, you got to get beyond being a devotional Christian. You have to become a dedicated Christian, a Christian that is engaging the Bible and studying the Bible and contemplating the truth of Scripture and meditating on these truths so that as Romans 12 2 says your mind is transformed you see to have a mind that is being transformed presupposes that it needed to be transformed why did it need to be transformed because you're being brought out of darkness and futile speculations Romans 1 says into the light so you have a lot to learn you have a lot to relearn you, you were brain dead. Now you're being brain washed, brain cleansed by the scripture and new information and new data and new truth and new reality and new knowledge is being put into your mind, but it can only get there by diving into scripture. That's why people, why people say dive in. They don't say, hey, today, go touch your scripture. Go give it a little, little tap. You don't tap the scripture. You dive into the scripture. So, the, the idea there is that we are allowing the Bible, like Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Well, how can that happen? It can't happen in five minutes. 
You got to spend more time. Someone asked me the other day, why is Bible prophecy so hard? Uh, why most Christians don't study Bible prophecy? I said, I, I know why. Because it requires a little work. And we have, a, we have a horrible, lazy work ethic when it comes to the Bible. We have a, we have a horrible attitude and commitment to the scriptures, most of us as Christians. And, and that's why we, you know, our Bibles still look brand new. And they should look like a pair of shoes we've been wearing for about 20 years. That's what they should look like. Anyway, all that to say, we have to be deeper. We have to be more consistent. And when that happens, <clears throat> then we have something from which to, we have a well. We're digging a well, folks. And we have a deeper well to draw from to answer some of these things. Now, I said in the first broadcast on this subject that I've been in radio interviews where people have asked me questions. And I've just said, I don't know. I don't have a I don't have an answer. I'm not the the answer man. But even in those the, those hard questions, you know, many times they're they're scriptural principles that guide us. So, I understand that. I I I can I can give us a pass on that. Someone says, "Well, explain the outline of the book of Hebrews." You know, someone your basic Christian is going to say, "Well, I can something to do with Hebrews." You know, they're not going to necessarily know that. But when I ask, "Is it wrong to slaughter an unborn baby is it wrong to rape someone is it wrong to um to commit same sex have a same-sex relationship with someone is that wrong folks these are not hard questions so i want to spend the last few minutes by just talking about how do you respond to tough questions like that because i um i've been in situations like that in fact this past uh, <clears throat> this past year, I was in uh, I was in the Philippines, and I was um, I gave two lectures, uh, two community wide lectures on the subject of can you be gay and a Christian? Okay, and I presented uh, those. In fact, I did that uh, three times, I think. You know, I think three times, and just um, these huge crowds and. It was an incredible experience. In fact, the, the leader of the of the homosexual community of the gay church in Manila, you know, Manila, Greater Manila is like twenty five million people, and the leader of this of this gay church in Manila came to my lecture and brought this entourage of people with him, and um, not knowing, you know, what kind of you know attitude they were going to bring, whether they they were going to be hostile or friendly or whatever. The uh, the sponsoring organization for uh, for this uh, event uh, hired had to hire some uh, some armed policemen to protect me uh, just in case you know someone were to stand up with a gun or throw an object or, or whatever and 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 it, nothing happened okay it was very peaceful and very well uh, well um, attended and and people's attitudes are very good but at the end after I presented what the Bible says. Um, there were people were allowed to write questions and, and ask me questions. There were just stacks and stacks of questions. And many of the questions that they ask were very easy to answer. And many of the questions that they ask were not as easy to answer. We're not a yes or no answer. Um, like, how do you, you know, my child is, is this, how do I, you know, respond, you know, there's not one word answers to that. But on the basic morality of what was going on, yeah, there's a one-word answer. Wrong, right, okay, not okay. And so part of my my approach to this, and, and I wasn't just, I wasn't speaking this just to gay people 
in these lectures, uh, I was speaking this to Christians. And this is what I said. And I think this applies to this whole subject we've been talking about here, this, this incident here, is that we are to declare the truth of God uncompromisingly, okay? That's the first thing. That's, that's way before uh, we, we, we do anything else out there in the world. Unless we know the truth and we are able to state the truth, then we have nothing to offer people. Because just saying, oh, I love you, that's fine. But love you for what? Love you to what end? To the end that they know the truth. Now, you don't have to, to know, you don't have to uh, agree about homosexuality to be a Christian, okay? The, the issue of salvation is not bound up in homosexuality or abortion or rape or anything else. You don't have to, you know, the idea is you come to Christ, you believe on Jesus Christ for your sins, and then Jesus comes into your life and he begins to make those changes in your life. And I made that crystal clear. I mean, there were homosexuals out there in the audience. I said, look, God is not asking you to give up your homosexuality in order to become a Christian. That's not the issue because you can give up your homosexuality and just go off and live a normal non-Christian life. And go to hell when you die. The issue of salvation is not is not the sins you are committing or the, the kind of person that you necessarily are. The issue of salvation is what are you going to do with Jesus Christ? And are you going to let him cover all of your sin? So when I became a Christian, I had a lot of things that, that were baggage. I was like carrying this, you know, these four or five giant suitcases worth of sins with me to Jesus. And Jesus never once said to me, you know, you deal with it. No, he dealt with it. So God changes the heart of someone when they become a Christian. Now, some Christians, just like some alcoholics, homosexuals, uh, people who struggle with other addictive behavior, they still struggle with that. And I know lots of Christians who struggle with same-sex attraction and with even sexual attraction uh, in that regard. And that's an issue that God is dealing with them on. But that's part of that beautiful sanctification process. Listen, so, some, of the, some of the greatest, most sincere, loving, incredible, passionate, scriptural believers that I know are people that have come out of homosexuality. And they are passionate about their relationship with Jesus Christ. Do, do they still lean that way sometimes and are tempted that way? Yeah. Some of them aren't. Some of them are like, man, I've been delivered. And you know what? Praise God. But others of us, you know, we kind of have that limp. And that's a way to remind them to always trust in Jesus. But you've got to know the truth of God first. So I, I said, you know, you've got to tell the truth of God uncompromisingly. And then second thing I said was, you've got to love people unconditionally. So when you're talking about someone, and, and listen, I've had... I've had young ladies sitting across from me who've had abortions. I've had people who have had sex with their girlfriend. And now this couple is sitting in front of me. I've had girls walk into my office pregnant. You know, it's like, what do you do now? in in those situations, they already knew what they did was wrong. But in those situations, listen, it's you're reaching out with an arm of love. You're not saying, hey, it's okay. You, you didn't, you know, it's not a big deal that you aborted your child. They know it wasn't, they know it was a big deal that they aborted their child. But, but the question is, 
is that people have got to know that we really love them. And we, listen, watch this now. You don't communicate love to someone by telling them that their sin is okay. That is not love. That's not love. You can love them, but that's not love to tell them that their sin is okay. Someone has a, a heroin addiction or a cocaine or a meth addiction. You don't say, look, that's, that, it, just don't worry about that. No, that's, that's a problem. I still love you, but that's still a problem. And you're going to need to get help with that. So we have to show great love and understanding and compassion. And watch this now. That's why relationships are so important. That's why relationships are so important. And as I've said before, you know, in, in my <clears throat> ministry career, have known so many people in, in this, in the, in the gay community. And I hope I can, I hope that they would say to you, I believe they would, not one of them was ever treated with anything other than love and compassion and acceptance and hugs and gifts and whatever we had to do to communicate love to them. There is no dichotomy between love and truth. Love and truth are twin sides of the same coin. They're not enemies. The truth person is not against the love person. And the person who truly loves wants to tell the truth to the other person. My friend, you can't really have love for your gay friends or for your other friends that are in whatever sin that they're in. You, you really can't love them unless you really know the truth. Because the truth is, is the only thing that's going to set them free. Jesus said, I am the truth. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. Let me give you one final scripture here. In the book of Jude, the whole book is about defending the faith. He says, Beloved, I, I, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing to you, that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all delivered to the saints. That word contend means to wrestle with. It means to argue for. It means to, to be an apologist for. You see, part of our job, you know, Paul told the truth, that Paul told the church, um, uh, Timothy's church in Ephesus, he said that the church is the pillar and support of the truth, the, the believers and the church. Our job is to tell the truth and to do it with love. And they are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they, they're always knitted together. If you tell the truth with hate, then you haven't done your job. If you just try to love on people without the truth ever, then you haven't done, you're not going to change their life. They, they may feel loved, but that's not the point. The point is not for people to feel loved. The point is for people to know that Jesus Christ loves them. What Jesus? Well, the Jesus of the Bible. What Bible? Well, the Bible that talks about homosexuality. Yeah, yeah, that God. And it really comes down to, are you God or is he God? What, who are you going to go with here? You're going to go with what he says about truth and morality? Or are you going to go with what you feel and what you know, what you want to do and your own desires? Yeah, there's a tough world we live in. But you know, we, we are the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, called out from the world to be different so that we can show them that difference and tell them the truth in love. And if we do that, then it's God's job beyond that whether or not they respond. We just have to make sure we do it with love 
and with truth. And my experience has been more than not, they respond in a positive way. Hey, you know what? Unless we got the word as our basis and our foundation, nothing else matters. But with it, we got the power. We got the power. I'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.